this morning. I was personally really ministered to and built up in my faith as we were singing. Um, can we just take a minute? We don't do this very often, but our worship team puts in a lot of hours and a lot of heart and just giving it themselves to, to serve us. So can we just give them a hand of appreciation this morning? Would, thank you all. Thank you all so much. That is just such a, such a benefit, how God uses that ministry. Uh, one slight uh, adapt, or uh, what's the word? No, correction. I'm trying to think of a nice word to say. Um, actually, the, the Experiencing Christian Community class, we're changing it up. In the past, it's been one class, but we're breaking it up into two classes, and it's actually next Sunday and the following Sunday. And so that'll be over lunch both times, and we're breaking it up, mixing it up, um, talking a little bit more about our church and what our methodology and why we do what we do is, some of that. So um, but that'll be next Sunday and the following Sunday right after our morning service. This morning we are kicking off a new message series called Freakonomics, and it is going to be about finances. And we uh, sometimes people tell, say, complain that church is talking about money too much. I don't think we like, hardly ever talk about money. And so it's, we're, this is a really important topic. That It's interesting in the Bible that Jesus, there, in the New Testament, there are about 200 verses, there are about uh, there are t- 10 times as many verses about money as there are about faith or salvation. Isn't that pretty crazy? There's a lot of content in this book about our finances because the Bible says where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. And so, this is, it's an important part of our life, and God has great things for us. And this, we got this title, it's not original, you probably figured that out. Freakonomics was a book that was written in 2005, it was published in 2005, by a University of Chicago economist and a New York Times author. And the whole idea of this book was looking at different trends, not only in economics, but in just society, about looking at how the conventional wisdom is often wrong. That what we think conventionally is true is not actually what's true. And there is no place where that is more accurate than when it comes to money. There are so many mentalities we have and ways of approaching money that we have and that the world has that are completely different from the kingdom of God. And this whole idea of, oh, I was trying to think, I can't think of a better word than Freakonomics, because when it comes to finances, the way God works is just kind of freaky. It's just amazing. It's upside down. It's where you think, like, oh, I should hold on to stuff. But actually, generosity is a thing that is a conduit to, to blessing and God giving us more. There's, in the world system, it's, we think, like, oh, I need to cut corners and find ways, in, in the business world especially, to, like, you know, to, to save money or get, run some, a fast one past somebody. But... Righteousness is always honored and rewarded by God. And so the things are upside down. And it's not just upside down, but there's this miraculous sort of... When, you, when, you line, when we line up our lives in every way, and in particular, as we're talking about this morning, with our finances, when we line up our life and our beliefs and our practices with the ways of God, there's this miraculous thing that happens in our life that we, we can't even explain. Um, so today we're talking about, we're going to start off talking about freaky provision, the freakiness of the way God provides for us. Next week we're going to look at freaky faithfulness. Our friend Rich Lorenzo is going to come in and talk to us about, about that. And then in two weeks we'll wrap up with freaky generosity. But I want to start off and just lay the foundation 
to make it clear that when we're talking about provisions, we're talking about how does God provide for us? How, what, what kind of provision, how does that work? I want to make it clear that provision, and really this whole topic, is not just about money. It's about something much bigger than money. It, it does include our finances, it does include money, but it's not just money. We're talking about the fullness of what God wants to provide for us. We're talking about blessing and abundance. And, you know, really being poor is ultimately not determined by how much money is in your bank account, but it's the quality of your life. And there are a lot of people that have a lot of money in their bank account, but they're very poor, actually. There are a lot of people with no money in their bank account, but they're rich. And so it's, there is a financial connection, but it's not just so cut and dry as, as that. Um, there are examples in the, in, in, the, in the world today and throughout Scripture. There are, you can find numerous righteous poor people that, in the way we think of, of how much money do they have. In fact, Jesus himself didn't have a ton of money to his name when he was on the earth. Um, and, and so, but, there's, but we're looking at a wealth in our lives that flows over into our finances and, and how we treat money. Look at this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Just, just laying this foundation. Because we, we have to understand this before we really go on and talk more about our finances. Paul, the, the apostle, writes this. And he was one who, who said, hey, I know what it's like to, another place he said, I know what it's like to have a lot of finances. And I know what it's like to have nothing. But I've learned the secret of being content in my relationship with God. Because that's what, where everything else flows from. And he gives this advice in the book of 1 Timothy, which was a, a letter he wrote to his, his spiritual son Timothy, his young apprentice. And he said this. He said, command those, in 1 Timothy 6.17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Everybody say, in God. God. Yeah, that's what we're to put our hope in. Not in riches, which is so uncertain as people that are playing the stock stock market and Bitcoin. I mean, things go up and down. You never know what's going to happen. It's so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So, I mean, there's a whole lot in that, that, that passage. But it's saying, first of all, hey, don't put your hope in, in material riches because that's completely uncertain. That's not going to make you happy. Some of the most depressed people in the world are some of the richest people in the world. That is not what it's all about. And that can disappear in a moment. That's, and that will disappear when we die. That's, there's, it's temporal. It's temporary. But put your hope in God. Why? Well, because he's God. But... He richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God is an abundant provider. His heart is to provide us everything we need. And everything we need, it's, I mean, it's interesting, not, it doesn't even stop there, but it says everything for our enjoyment. God gives us good things just because he likes us. Just because he wants us to, to enjoy life. Just because he's, he, he, he cares about us. Like a parent with their kids. I love when Christmas time rolls around. I'm, I'm a procrastinator. I'm not a very good gift giver. But about on December 23rd, I start thinking, man, what special gift? My wife's been shopping for a month and getting all the right stuff for our family. And I start thinking, oh, but is there some special toy that my kid would like that would just really like, put it over the top? 
Is there just something that would bring enjoyment? And that's what God is. And so our first point is provision is not about money. But the second point, and this is probably the, most, the biggest thing we're going to camp on today, is that God is a freaky provider. God is an abundant provider. God is a generous provider. He provides in ways that are incredible. And it's not just our financial needs, but it includes our financial needs. This is the heart of God. I, like like I, I said, me as a parent. There's, those of us who are parents, I think, understand this. And even if you're not, you, can, you probably can relate to this. If you become a parent, you'll feel this way. There, is, there are few drives in me that are stronger than the desire, the drive to provide for my family. There, like the, the sense of responsibility for Reagan, my wife, and my kids, like, that is a really big deal for me. That's just how God wires us. And when you have kids, like, you want to make sure that they're taken care of. Um, I remember talking to my friend Rob Zima, who's here, and, and I remember after he got married, like, things totally changed. When it came to finances, he was like, oh my goodness, I feel so much pressure and stress. It's like, i got to take care of, of Rachel. It's like, okay, wow, it's really interesting to see how things change. And that's, that's how God made us. But as much as we feel that towards our families, God feels that infinitely more towards you. He does not want you to be left lacking. He wants you to get everything that you need in every area of your life. And he's not like, hey, figure it out. Like, it's a, it's a you know, the world is ruthless and brutal and short and nasty and, you know, let's just see how you handle it. No, he is rooting for us and providing us the means to receive the abundant provision that he has for us. Um, in, in Philippians chapter 4.19, again, this is the Apostle Paul, and he writes, to the church in the city of Philippi, says, My God will meet all your needs. How? According to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. I promise you, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. And so it's important that we, a lot of times, one thing that keeps us from receiving the provision of God is not looking to God for our provision. That we feel like, oh, I have to be responsible for this myself. And that can close the door to us receiving God's provision. Because we are taking that position and not in the place that God wants us to look to Him as our Father and our Provider. I'm going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, and this is a really interesting passage. Uh, we're going to read through part of uh, the first 11 verses of this chapter. And Deuteronomy is what's considered the book of the law. It was the law that God gave to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. A lot of times the law gets a bad rap, and the law can be used poorly, but really, if you understand this, the law was, this was a covenant that God was making with his people. And it wasn't saying, okay, this is what all you need to do, or I'm going to be really angry with you, and you're, you're going to fall short, but it was saying, no, this is the nature of, of the best flourishing relationship that we could have with one another. This is the abundant life that I have for you. This is what it looks like, living like this. And I'm committing all of myself to be your God and to provide you and bring you into a land and 
give you this, this inheritance that I have for you. And this is the way for you to walk in that and honor me as God and, and be faithful and receive everything that I have for you. It's really probably the closest thing I can think of between, of, of Deuteronomy is like a wedding ceremony where the bride and the groom are looking at each other and giving their vows. And they're saying, hey, this is how I give of myself to you because I love you and I want to become one with you. I'm, I'm, I'm entering that process. That's really what this is all about. Now, we need the grace of God to live this way. We can't do this on our own. But the, the, the law is really the preferred, it's, it's a, a picture, a vision of life that God had for his people. And so these are some financial laws or instructions that God was giving his people. So in Deuteronomy chapter 15, starting in verse 1, God tells his people, at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. All right, that's Freakonomics right there. All right, I mean, talk about countercultural. Imagine, like, every debt that is owed, every seven years, it's canceled. That's radical. Think of what that would do to a society. Uh, actually, before, up to World War, World War II, our, because our nation had more, uh, was built, stat was, had more connection or was looking to the Bible for a lot of its source, banks would not give a home loan, usually, for a house for anything more than seven years. Loans were based on a seven-year period because of this sense that it needs to be a short time period or else it can be too much debt. Hmm, we may have you know, come into some negative consequences from falling away from that. This is how this is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. So, that's just, so you get start getting the feel of how does God treat economics? Well, it's a lot about freedom. It's a lot about coming out of debt, not coming into debt. It's a lot about his abundance. Verse 4. Now get this. This is, this is just crazy. This is, this is Freakonomics right here. However, or, yeah, however, there need be no poor people among you. There need be no poor people among you. For in the land your Lord, the Lord your God has given you, to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. Okay, just stop there for a second. God's saying that I'm laying out a way for you. I'm laying out an economic system for you. That if you follow, if you, if you put this into practice, there could be a society with no poor people. How incredible would that be? Isn't that, man, how about, man, this, this is a good God. This is good stuff that he has for us. If this, is, this is what he desires. Freaky provision. No poor people in your land. For in the land the Lord your God has given you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. For the Lord your, your God will bless you as he has promised. And you will lend to many nations but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations but none will rule over you. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the, Lord, the, Lord, of the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked... Oh, sorry, skip ahead to verse, uh, verse 10. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging, without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything 
you've put your hand to. Now, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't it sound like the kind of community you'd like to live in and society you'd like to be part of? That's what God lays out. And, and again, I just go back to that's a crazy statement. There need be no poor among you if you live according to the freakonomics that God has for us. Um, you know, this, this, these questions really trigger in us deep questions about how we view the world and how we view, the, how we view God. There's really a, a big question of, is God a God of abundance or a God of scarcity? Is the world a world of abundance or a world of scarcity? And there are a lot of voices we hear that highlight the scarcity of the world. And, it's, you know, and, there, and life experience sometimes seems to point to that, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I live in this world with you. I've felt scarcity once or twice or three or four times in my life. You know, that's, it doesn't always feel like this just overflowing abundance. But what the Bible says is that the scarcity that is in the world is there because of sin. And the abundance is God's intention and what he is restoring, what he restored through Jesus and what he's restoring through, through, through Jesus and through his people today. Um, the very name of God, the name Yahweh, and one, one of the names of God is the one who is there. And really the implication of that is the one who is there for you. That God is a God who is faithful. He is, he is there for us. And when we look at the creation story, I was just reading this recently. It's, it's amazing. You read Genesis 1, and there's, it's a world teeming with life, teeming with abundance, teeming with multiplication. God said, I give you, there are plants that I'm making and seed-bearing plants that, that will, and I'm giving every plant to you for food. And within those plants, there are seeds. You can take those seeds and put them in the ground, and they're going to multiply a hundred times, a thousand times, millions of times over. There's in the creation that God has made, there's, a, there's abundance. And, you know, it's interesting, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, there, there was a guy named Thomas Malthus who wrote about how the, the, the population was growing too fast and we were going to run out of resources and everybody was going to starve. And he projected that was going to happen in like 50 years. And guess what happened? We discovered that in those plants, there is way more potential than we ever imagined. And where, a, a, where corn would produce 20 bushels per acre, now 200 bushels per acre is expected in the same place. Because God has put an abundance in the world. He's put an abundance in us that he wants us to think that way, to uncover and connect with him and, and live in that place of abundance. And so God is an incredible provider, but we have to, to see the true nature of him and his creation to experience it. Um, you know, I know I've, one of, I've walked with God for a couple decades plus here, and really some of the greatest joys and miracles of that experience is seeing the way God's provided for me and for my family. And it's been over and over and over again in situations where I didn't know how it was going to happen, and then God came through. And I was just thinking about the last, the last year, as I was thinking about talking about this today, a year, for, a year ago, we were looking at, there have been a lot of financial needs that our family has faced in the last year that were beyond like our normal income stream. Um, we, we, we needed to paint our house. It was definitely time. There's, that's a few thousand dollars right there. We needed a new vehicle. We ended up having 
$60,000 in medical expenses that it was looking like our insurance company was saying that we were going to be on the hook for 40000 of that several months ago. Um, what else am I missing? We, our, our, our kitchen was, floor was in really bad shape. Uh, there's just thing after thing after thing. And it is incredible that God has provided for every one of those needs. Every single one of those has been met. Even our kitchen floor, which isn't really a need. It's more about, you know, because we could function on our old linoleum just fine. But God has abundantly provided the resources where we just got a brand new wood floor last week. And it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's like, wow, God, you're so faithful. And I don't have time to go on all the ins and whats and hows, but just unique ways that God has, has come through. But I'll tell you, there have been many times, I've learned this along the way, where I'm looking at a financial need, and I just go to God, and I say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you've proven yourself. You're my provider, and I'm trusting you to provide this. And he comes through. A wise man told me a long time ago, he said, don't ever make decisions about, based on how many resources you have. Make your resources based on what is God telling you to do. And he will provide the resources. And so often we limit our possibilities because, oh, I don't have the money, I don't have the time. But if God is leading us into it, then he will provide. I remember just like two months ago, I was sitting in my parents' kitchen, uh, around the kitchen table. And my mom, had, she was, had pride about this, these medical bills that we had and was getting pretty stressed out that, they weren't, that our insurance company was saying that they weren't going to cover them. And she was like, oh, what about this? What about that? How are you going to do it? What about college for your kids? And I just, but I'd, come, I'd wrestled through that myself. I said, Mom, you know what? I don't know how it's going to happen. But she said, aren't you worried? I said, no, I don't know how it's going to happen, but no, I'm not. Honestly, I'm not, because I know God's going to take care of it. And like a week later, our insurance company came through and said, not only are we going to cover half of it that we said we might, we're going to cover all of it. And it was all taken care of. And so, like, thing after thing after thing, God comes through in different ways. You read the Bible, I mean, there's story after story after story of freaky provision. You know, there's the guy, Elijah the prophet, who had to, he, he, God told him to tell the king there was going to be a famine. But then God sent Elijah to this little creek out in the wilderness and said, hey, you hang out there, and I'm going to bring you food. And he brought ravens, bringing him bread every day. And he ate. Okay, God has a way of getting us what we need. And then eventually the brook ran dry, and you and I, we'd probably go, oh man, man, now we're stuck. But God said, all right, go to this other town, and I've got provision for you there. And he didn't go take him to the richest place. God took him to this widow, who's down to her last bit of flour and oil, about to make her last meal. And God said, tell that lady to cook you some bread. And there's Freakonomics right there, all right? That doesn't make sense. So Elijah did it. Again, don't look according to your resources. What is God saying? And the woman said, ah, we're down to our last meal. We're going to eat this and die. But you're a prophet. I trust God. I'll do it. And so she, she made it. She gave him that bread. And miraculously, the flour never ran out. The oil never ran out. It just kept coming. And there's story after story after story of that in the Bible. Whether it's the feeding of the 5,000 or Jesus needing some tax money and Tell his disciples to go fishing, and there would be the tax money in a fish's mouth. Or, or God has amazing ways of bringing resources. And as, as we trust him, we come into that. We, we come into experiencing some of those provision stories. 
And he, he, wants, he wants us to, to, to have those stories in our life more and more. I bet, you know, we wouldn't have time if we just went around the room and talked about so many of the stories in this very room of how God has come through and provided. Um, so the ways he provided, provides are often different than our expectations. They don't match natural thinking. It's not like, okay, I can take this and control it myself and make it happen, but it's trusting him and following him, and he comes through. Um, a lot of times, it's, it's, it's miraculous. There are these, you know, like the, mir- the stories I talked about just now. But sometimes there are ways God provides that are, and in, in not just sometimes, but oftentimes, every day God provides us in ways that don't seem miraculous, but his grace is intended to be in it. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus, the, the God told, told his people, he said, You shall remember the Lord your God, for he is the one who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers to this day. So God told his people, Hey, remember God, for he's giving you divine power to make wealth. Some translations say create wealth. And so, again, God gives his people ability to create wealth, to to work, to have business ideas, entrepreneurial ideas, to invest, to do things that take resources and multiply them. And that's intended to be just as much God's grace in the midst of that process, of us going to our jobs every day and going about the ways we carry out our callings, just as much God's grace in that as five loaves of bread and two fish multiplying to feed 5,000 people. God is the one who wants to give us his grace to give us the power to create wealth. So God's an abundant provider. He provides for us in, in so many ways. And you know, there's, there's no way we see that more than in Jesus. There's no way we, nowhere we see that more than in God sending his very own son to us and saying, hey, I'm a provider. I'm going to give you my very best so that you can have everything you need. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9, it, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. All right. The Bible says God wants you to be rich. All right? I didn't make this up. This isn't me. This is God's word. God became poor. He gave his very best so that we could receive the abundance of life and all the resources that we need to live and to serve him. God's a freaky provider. All right. You guys with me on that? Is that good good news? Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that just sort of change life? You know that the weight of everything isn't on us. I have to make it happen. But, But we have a father. He's a provider. And we may not know how it's going to happen, or how, but he is faithful. And as we look to him, he will come through and provide us our every need. Now back in, in Deuteronomy 15, there was an if in that statement. In Deuteronomy 15, 4, I'm going to read that again. It said, however, there may be no poor people among you, there need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God has given you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you if, so there's a contingency, 
if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. So there's a connection. Now, God provides abundantly to everybody. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. We've all been given so much. But there's another level of his freaky provision that is connected to how we align ourselves with him. And that's what he invites us into, to come into this level of, of there need be no poor among you. There of having an abundance for every good work. And it comes when we align ourselves with him. That if you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. You know, it's interesting that in that later on, what I read earlier, it said, God said, there need be no poor people among you. But then what did he say a little later? There will always be poor people among you. So he knows human nature. So I'm giving you a way that there don't have to be any poor people among you. But I know there will be. And so hey, I'm still generous, and I want you to be generous and compassionate and lend freely and give, but there is a better way. But it's for those that have the faith and the trust in Him to fully follow Him and obey Him. And so, what does that look like? To come into the the fullness of God's provision, it it comes the more we fully give of ourselves to Him. Um, Do we believe, a lot of times, the the debate or the, the question when it comes to churches and money is like, oh, it's all about tithing. We're going to talk about tithing, and everybody needs to tithe, and give 10% of your money to God, give 10% of your money to the church. Do we believe that God requires 10% of our money? No. We believe God deserves 100% of our money. It's not about giving God 10%, it's about giving God 100%. It's giving our, all of our life to God. It's saying, God, you're my God, and I'm yours. And I want to bring every part of my life to you. And how do you want me to invest this and use this for your kingdom and for you? Um, it's, it, there's, there's this principle, but it's amazing. that The third, the third point here um, is that freaky provision comes when we give God everything, including our money. A lot of times you hear, oh yeah, I'm giving God everything, but... One way to look at that is, well, does your, does your check register, or you guys don't have check registers, <laughs> nobody uses a check register anymore, but does your bank account, does where your money go out, does that demonstrate that God has your 100% of your life? How does, what, what does that indicate? Because where your treasure is, there is your heart. And this is a, an, an important place of, that reflects where our heart truly is. Not only reflects where our heart truly is, but as we are intentional with giving our resources to God and his kingdom, our heart follows and is more fully with him and his kingdom. And so this is a principle all through scripture. We could start from Cain and Abel in the very beginning to see how there's a pattern of people who gave of their best, gave of their whole life to God. They came into a place of life and blessing and abundance. And scripture after scripture after scripture that teaches this principle. And in your weekly reading that's in your, your handout, there are several of those amazing stories, and there's, there's so much more in the Bible. There's a principle that, that freaky provision comes when we give God everything, including our money. Um, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this. There's just one of these scriptures that says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
And so, coming to God's provision happens when we give God everything, including our financial resources. It's interesting that the Philippians 4.19 that I read earlier, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That was actually, Philippians was partially a thank you letter that was written to the church in Philippi after they had given a generous offering to help a need of some other churches. And so God was saying, hey, you've given generously. My God is going to supply all your needs. There's this principle that they were coming into freaky provision as they lived that way. All right. This is good stuff. If I say so myself. <laughs> it's not my stuff. I'll just leave us with, with three questions that I think will hit us in different places. Um, question number one. How much do you need to fulfill your calling? How much does God want to provide for you? Well, it depends on your calling. I had a friend who believed he was called by God to go plant a church in New York City and do campus ministry in New York City. And I remember a conversation with him. He had to raise, I forget he was a single guy, and he had to raise, and this was 15 years ago, he had to raise like $7,000 a month just to live in New York City. And he said, yeah, there are very few ministers in New York City in this, one of the most important cities in our nation, and the barrier is finances. He said, so for him to fulfill his calling, it took a lot more than if he was going to come to Manhattan, Kansas, to do that same thing. And so, what is your calling? It looks different for everybody, but God does not want resources or finances to limit us from living the life that he's called us to. So whatever that life is, money should not be a hindrance. Now, I'm not saying it's overnight, but God wants to... Provide. He doesn't want us to settle for less than the full calling he has for your life. He wants you to look to him. To prov- if, if, if your calling is here and your resources are here, then he wants you to trust him for the resources to come to here. And then maybe even more, so you can give up the excess to other stuff. So what is your calling? How much do you need to fulfill your calling? Some of us, it's like, well, man, I've got already way more than enough resources to f- fulfill my calling. Maybe I need to think more intentionally about what I'm doing with those resources. But that's an important question. Second question is, do I trust God as a good, abundant provider? Do I trust God as a good, abundant provider? When I look at my needs, when I look at my life, what is my approach towards God? One of my favorite scriptures is in Psalm 81, verse 10. And God says, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth that I may fill it. It's like baby birds. Right? Hey, here I am. I'm Mama Bird. I got the big, fat, juicy worm for you. All you got to do is open wide your mouth, and I'm going to drop that sucker right in there. All right? That's what you need. So all you got to do is be a baby bird. All right? Baby bird's not too smart doesn't have an advanced degree in economics, but it knows. There's mama. It's got my food. I just need to open my mouth. Drops it in. That's how we need to view God. God, you're for me. You have what I need. I open myself to you. Drop it in. I want to receive it. Do I trust God that way? And then, third question. Are you fully obeying God 
in every area of your life. Because that's the if, right? For freaky provision. If you fully obey the Lord your God. Am I fully obeying God? Am I taking the, the last thing that I heard God speak that applied to my life? Am I obeying that? Am I being intentional about finding out, God, how do you tell me to live? Man, this is, this is the nature of our covenant. The nature of the better life you have for me and the way for me to honor you and the way for you to bring me to the fullness of life. God, what does this word say about how you want me to live? And I want to find it not just so I know more, but so I can trust you and apply it in my life and live it out. Is there an area where it's like, oh, you know, let me not think about that one right now. Well, that right there is going to keep me. That's, that's the limit right there. That thing that I ignore and don't think about. That's the limiting factor on the provision of God, the freaky provision of God that he wants to bring. And so there may be things that this morning God's saying, hey, you know that thing? I want you to trust me with that. I want you to obey me with that. I want you to align yourself with me in that area of your life because I've got something better for you. I want you to honor me with that. Um, as God's heart is to abundantly provide for us in ways that are miraculous, that are beyond our ability. Uh, let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. I want to just give us all a chance to come before God and wherever you're at, wherever this truth that God has for us applies to you, give us a chance to come before him and receive his grace and, and respond to him. So if you're here this morning and maybe you, you've never trusted Jesus as your, as your savior, as the one who provided for forgiveness of your sins and provided a new life, I just encourage you to pray with me, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't have enough, but you're my God. I want you to be my God. I turn from living my own way. I turn to follow you. I, I entrust my life to you. And I look to you as my leader and as, as my forgiver. And I'm looking to you as the one to abundantly provide for me. And bring me into all that you have for me. If you're here this morning and God's stirring your heart to say, I, I want to look to you, Lord, as a provider. Either for the first time or more than I ever had before in new areas of my life. Just, just pray with me. Lord, thank you that you're a generous provider. Thank you that you're an abundant provider. Thank you that you're a miraculous provider. Made the universe just by speaking. Lord, I, I choose today to stop looking to myself and circumstances. I want to look instead to you. I choose to look instead to you and to trust you. Lord, I, I'm excited about seeing how you provide for me and my needs and my calling. If you're here this morning and there are areas of your life that you haven't surrendered to God, just, just pray with me. Lord, I, I offer those areas of my life to you. I trust them to you. I want to follow you. I want to go your way, not my way. Thank you for the, the abundant life that you have for me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Good stuff.
Good stuff. Um, Rachel, uh, one more thing. <laughs> You're so good at that. <laughs> uh, we have an important announcement we want to make today. John and Brogan, can you come on up? And Bo and Asia also. And a lot of you already know this. We talked about it at the campus meeting on Thursday night. But I wanted to let everyone in the Blue Knot community know some exciting news. Our, I don't know how to say this except, however I say it is how I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, those of you who don't know, this is John Brogan and, Bri- uh, Brogan. John Brogan, they're one. John Griffith, <laughs> Brogan Griffith, and then AJ and Bo Banner. Um, John and Brogan serve as our campus directors at K-State, we call the greatness our campus ministry. And Brogan's been here for almost two years, and John's been here since August of 2011, so six and a half years. <laughs> and John came here as a guy who just graduated from KU with a mechanical engineering degree, and he was responding to what, how he believed God was leading him to come here and help work with our campus ministry, which was in a very fledgling place, really. It was, you know, it's amazing to see the growth that God has brought about in the, in the past few years. And John was very wet behind the ears. He was, man, he was a, it's just funny looking back. At, I mean, it was funny at the time, too, but it's, it's like, seems like a different world, like those six years ago. Um, but they have been incredible leaders and servants and ministers here with Blumon and with Call to Greatness. Yeah. So they are, have felt for a while, I remember talking for years with John, like, hey, what do you feel like God's calling you to do eventually, ultimately? He's like, I think sometime I, I, wanna, I believe God's probably calling me to go plant a church somewhere else, go pioneer something. John and Brogan have an amazing gift for, I believe, for pioneering, for, for starting ministries, um, for leadership, for just so many things. Um, worship leading, I mean, Brogan's an incredible, yeah, worship leader. <laughs> Brogan is an incredible disciple maker with wisdom and speaking into people's lives. Um, amazing. And the time is coming where they are getting ready to take the next step in that journey. And <laughs> I didn't think it was going to get emotional, but it's, I'm excited for them. And they... So at the end of this school year, the plan is they're going to move to Lawrence to spend probably, not sure, but maybe a couple years getting some further training and also serving with our new Call to Greatness campus ministry at Washburn University in Topeka and also reaching out to young professionals in Lawrence and getting a lot of training and preparing to go plant a church somewhere else is is the plan. And so that's exciting. And we'll be, be believing with them, praying with them, standing with them. Um, that's, church planning is one of the most effective ways in the world of reaching people's lives. And it's actually amazing, even from, from Bluma and our short history, we've had a part of, part of sending out leaders that have helped plant two other churches already, um, in Kansas City and in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so we want to continue doing that. There may be some of you in the room that in two years you're like, hey, wherever, this is wherever John and Brogan are going, man, we can link up with that and get a job there or be, be part of that team or something like that. So that's going to be exciting to see. Um, Bo and Aja will become the campus directors with Call to Greatness next fall or next June. That's right. 
so Bo's a little wet behind the ears still, too. <laughs> We've seen this scenario play out before. <laughs> Asia is not so wet behind the ears, so she's, no, it's going to be an exciting adventure. Um, it's really always a chance as, as people grow up and are sent out for more people to rise up, and we're excited to see that, see that happen. Um, Marcel and Sharon are going to be planning, we're hoping and planning, I'm planning, and I hope they are too, <laughs> <laughs> to play a very instrumental role with our worship team and continuing to lead that. And you know, that's another thing that, you know, it just John's been phenomenal in multiplying worship leaders and raising people up in that. So we want to stand with them. But I just, I remember as a kid, um, one of the things my dad always taught me was whenever, whenever you borrow something um, or are in a place, leave it better than you found it. And whenever you do a job or whenever you're somewhere, somewhere, make it a better place. And that is, you know, I can't, I can't put into words how much John and, and Brogan have done that. You know, they have, it's, it's been, they have made, and they're, they're still here, they're not leaving tomorrow or anything. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll talk more, we'll all cry again later, I'm sure. But... That is so, so, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the two of you and of just giving your heart for the kingdom of God and loving people and so much behind the scenes, so much selflessly that nobody sees um, with the vision for the kingdom of God, but serving in this context with Plumont and Calder Gradients at K-State and the lives that have been impacted and will continue to be impacted. It's just so amazing to see how God's doing that. So we want to continue to stand with them and move forward in what God has. Um, where's that mic? Rachel, grab that. Just wanted to give them a chance to, if you had anything you want to say, do you have anything you want to say? <laughs> We're good. Okay, awesome. Um, so I'm a little worried to talk because I get emotional and then Jonathan gets emotional. I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. Please, I'm, I'm good. I'll make it short. But uh, ever since I got here, I kind of had a sense that it probably wouldn't be for a very long time. Um, but just being here, and I think you guys probably hear this a lot from a lot of people, but instantly just feeling welcome. I feel like I've grown a lot in the last year and a half, two years being here. Um, just in community and things, I don't think it's like ever been as bittersweet to leave the church. I'm not saying anything about my past church, I think that's more about me. But you guys have made it really difficult. I love so many of you guys, and it's um, going to be really hard not being just like shooting this way from the podium. <laughs> so just thank you all so much for how you uh, blessed John and I. I think some of you may not even know that you guys have been a blessing to us, so we really appreciate all of you. Yeah, I don't have a speech prepared or anything, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty formative season in my life being here in Manhattan. And uh, it was a place I never thought that I would be, <laughs> graduating from KU and uh, ending up in Manhattan. And so I, you know, words aren't enough. Uh, some of you, uh, you know, we reached on campus and I've seen you come to Christ and grow in your faith. And now I consider you peers, you know, and good friends of mine. And, and it's incredible. And some of you were in our wedding, you know, and uh, I mean, just getting to interact with each of you and growing in my faith as being a part of this community has really changed my life as well. So um, I think this will definitely be, uh, we are marked 
virus quarantine in their home. So. Awesome. That's good. All right. Well, we'll we'll wait to hear from Bo and AJ. You'll have lots of chances <laughs> for that. Um, and we'll um, we'll do another send off as we get closer to. Um, so I'm not going to do a big prayer or anything right now, but we'll be standing with, with them that, and believing for the next few months to be really impactful and see God do great things. So, um, yeah, Rachel, you can go ahead and come on up now.